All right, welcome on into the show. My name is David Gallagher, and I am joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur. Uh, coming to at, at us from a secret location, maybe in New Jersey. That's right. I'll never tell. I totally You'll gave it away. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? How's it going? I'll never tell. Denny, I'm engrossed today yes. in in biological meat. You okay. tried this? All right. So you're a meat eater, right? Yeah. Big meat care. eater. Big meat eater. Fine. <laughs> Give it to me. Like, okay. So I see an article today. This this company is almost ready to to serve meat made in a lab. They almost have FDA approval. They're ready to ship out 50,000 pounds of lab-made meat. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, they just served this this chicken at uh, the COP27 conference. Uh, they were serving the lab-made meat. Where where you stand on it? As a meat eater, I've been eating weird, fake meat that people are using chemical you know, ways to make it since I was like 13. That's basically yeah. what Morningstar Farms is. It's like <laughs> a way to make like creepy fake meat. So I'm kind of accustomed to this. I feel okay about it. Uh, how do you feel as a meat eater? I mean, does anybody really consume natural beef anymore? I mean, uh, I feel like any sort of way, you know, we're all just putting all this synthetic meat in our mouth all the time. So unless you're like literally living on a ranch, slaughtering your animal, watching Yellowstone, yeah, farm to table, <laughs> literally knife to table living that's the only way <laughs> that is no it's true it's a good point because i mean if you're buying uh like just say you know regular old ground round at, at shop right these days uh you're getting like meat that was like half made in america half made in south america sent to south america to reprocess brought back up to make it mm. cheaper cut with god knows what so it's true that like maybe we're so far along in the chemical process that we should just jump the shark, right? I'm having a hard time taking this whole thing seriously. It's all about the uh, the the beef cakes, all of all of that stuff. So from the moment you sent this to me, I was like, oh, I'm I'm putting all of this unnatural beef in my mouth every single day. You're gonna eat all of it, <laughs> all of it. You all might as it. well. Oh, I like the fact that the company made it. They're like they're being like that creepy sci-fi company where yeah. they have <laughs> big glass windows out to the street to be transparent about their operations. Like it's not some kind of what do you think? I mean, we get into this a lot. Like I- I'm sure big beef, big, big beef, chicken, big beef. Yeah. big beef, big chicken. Those are big ones too, of the bigs. Big big chicken's big, you know, like so that's much powerful one. university. Yeah. yeah, like they have their own wing in like the Mason Lodge, big chicken. <laughs> so I wonder, like, I mean, there's gonna be pushback. You think they're gonna do to them what they did to like what big milk did to like oh. you know why you have to call it oat drink and stuff now? Because they <laughs> sued them and they won't yeah. let them call it milk. Yeah, I bet big beef and big chicken's gonna have something to say about this. I mean, each and every day we're just facing an option. Do I want big milk or do I want big beef? <laughs> I'll take both. <laughs> I'm an American. Uh, can I present to you a, a a problem that I found myself in while while we were away? Yeah, I'm a problem solver. Okay, Love. so I got a a question for you. I'm in a store. I see this nice gear. Where are you? Set me up here. I was in an undisclosed location that is not in North America. Wow. Um, and yeah. I mean, I'm totally giving it away with like my like 
Okay. Jackie okay. here. So I'm in Seville, Sevilla, as the locals say. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the team shop for this club. And I yeah. see a hat. I'm like, oh, I've got a hat on this trip. I'm going to be at the beach. Need the hat. Can't get the scalp sunburn, right? Okay. Okay. And, and, and I get this hat. Okay. What's coming? <laughs> and, and and I'm super wondering if it's okay to wear a hat like this these days. Ah, you this wanna... is okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Come on. Let's have a real discussion about this, right? Yes, please. Like, I just had this conversation with my son this morning, right? Walking yeah. out the door. He was talking about some kid who is ragging on him a little bit or something. My, my son usually doesn't care too much about that stuff. And I explained to him this morning, I'm like, yo, you know what real power is? My boy is not letting anyone else get to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what real power is like not even noticing that little fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's, that's baller. You know, yeah. that's what I'm teaching my kid. Like it's red. Yeah. It's, this isn't a deep cut color. You know what I mean? I like red. Red's nice. Are we going to really let that person have that much power take away a red hat from our syntax? No. No. I say fight, Denny. That's right. I'm fighting. This is my stance of independence. This is a stance. Oh, my gosh. And and here we go. Now I have an even better step to this plan for you, okay? Yeah. Like, you're a white guy. Okay. Last name's Gallagher. Jesus Christ. Wearing the red hat, yo, you can go inside. You could kind of like I can get inside big beef. I'm just saying, if you go to to some to some yuppie uh upscale drink place around you, yeah. you're rocking that hat. One guy in there who's a you know social liberal fiscal conservative is gonna start giving you like like the conservative head nod like approval thing, like when you walk in, like like hey. I see you. I see. Like how Tom Brady tucked his little yeah. MAGA hat in the back of the locker. Yeah. yeah. So you can do the same thing. You can get info, intel. I'm going to be like Jordan Klepper over here. <laughs> yeah. You can you can uh, get on the inside and then introduce them to a podcast where they realize, oh, one of the hosts is Jewish? <laughs> what did he do to me? You can really, you can do some Jordan Klepper stuff here. I think you could get into it. And then they're going to be like, wait a minute. I thought their numbers would be way bigger. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Should be more controversial. Or, you know, it's a simple quick fix, too. You go down to the corner store, get yourself a little pin, like a peace sign, anything to just, you know, obviously say, like, I'm not a MAGA creep if you want, you know? So, so I've got to go like the full Kevin Smith look with the red baseball <laughs> yeah, cap. Yeah, yeah. People are going to be totally freaked out. Yeah, that's the way. That's the oh, way. man. All right. So I'm reclaiming the hat for Take it. Sevilla. Take it. Thank you, Spain, for I had to go all the way to Spain to reinvent the, the You red know what? Cap. There's Bulls fans all over the world oh. thanking you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Benny. Well, you know what segment thanks us each and every week? I don't know. It's this day music history. What do you got? That song. Um, on this day, 2003. This this one's making me feel a little old because it yeah. feels like it kind of just came out. Jay-Z releases the Black Album. Classics 99 Problems, Dirt Off Your Shoulder. Now, I feel like this is one of those ones, to me, as a broad music fan, that is like so clearly his best album. Hmm. I 
think when you listen like end to end, like best album, I'm not talking lyrics. I'm not talking stuff like that. Cause I think his older stuff was maybe a little sharper, but like, this is the overall to me, like Jay-Z peace day resistance that may be like, like remembered in like the music annals more. It's like his pet sounds maybe, yeah. you know, at this point. And, uh, yeah, and I, I I love this album, but I am a little afraid that like it felt like not that long ago where I heard like ninety nine problems for the first time. I was like, oh, this is nice, yeah. and it's almost twenty years. That that's a tricky one. Yeah, because that was around the same time he was like invited to like play like Glastonbury and trolled like the Gallagher brothers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He yeah. Was that was a big time, time for him. He was, yeah. he was big time around. I think maybe that was his uh, almost his breakthrough from like a hip hop artist to just like a pop artist, yeah. you know, where he like went full on. And I will, if you know, I know Jay Z listens to this podcast yeah, all the time fan. and Jay, like if you're out there, like next record, do me a favor, just push yourself lyrically a little bit, get some things down on paper. You know what I mean? Let's hear what your new life is like. Like, I want to know yeah. what his day to day is. What are you doing <laughs> at eight o'clock? You drinking a smoothie? You know, are you doing your taxes? Like, I want to know what Jay-Z's up to. I don't know. I don't want to hear about 18 year old Jay-Z anymore. Yeah. I'm bored of that guy. You know, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I thought when you're like, you know, like next album, I'm like, I, I thought you were going to be like, Lincoln Park, get the fuck out of here. I know a, a much better band. Oh, that and Gaslight, Jay-Z. Yeah, I'm here for Listen, it. I am not. And it's not because I don't like Jay-Z. It's because of the very, very, very high rate of failure when attempting to do things like this. I believe in historical precedence. <laughs> so that's why I'm not getting involved in that one. <laughs> good call. Good call. All right, Benny. I, I'm going to keep it Jersey on, on this one. In On this day in 1990, a 21-year-old ACDC fan died after being attacked outside of Brendan Byrne Arena in New Jersey, uh, whoa. Uh, where he attended a ACDC concert. So this day, 1990, a uh, little tragedy at Brendan Byrne, Continental Airlines, Azad Center, whatever you want to call it. Didn't know that. Well, that's yeah. Brendan Byrne. Yeah. And that was right around the... T- that was the year, actually, where I Thousand? attended my wow. first concert at the Brendan Byrne Arena. Wow. Uh, which was Rush and Mr. Big. Um, but I'm guessing a little bit more of a chill crowd for Rush than ACDC. I'm wondering yeah. what that story is. I'm going to look into it. Yeah. And... Now I'm sure they uh, enshrine this area by putting up a, a, a great mall. The American dream, if you will, is now where this kid tragically lost his life. Yeah, it is the American dream. <laughs> All right, Benny, first headline today. Uh, we, we're meaning to get to this on Friday. Didn't get to it. So Twitter had a week. Mm. Um, the social media platform is burning to the ground under Elon Musk. Uh, this escalated when he... So since we were going to do the story, he implemented the paid verification process. And now he's like, oh, wait, no, it's going to be free to get verified again. All this is very confusing. Um, You had people claiming in and claiming that they were like these big newsbreakers, the New York Times, all these big institutions, people paying their seven bucks just to troll people a little bit. It was an absolute wildfire. Um, Elon, so much so, and you know stuff is a wildfire like this when Elon Musk gets on there and be like, Twitter has never been more alive. That's how you know it's in big time trouble. So is this kind of the beginning of the end for Twitter? Probably. I mean, like, this is where I, I can't begin to understand, you know, big business and his intentions of what he was going to do with this the whole time. Like, like I don't know. This might have been the idea the whole time. 
is like I got kicked off of Twitter and, you know, I don't like this place anymore. It doesn't like me and I'm going to, you know, fold it or I'm going to turn it into something else or I'm going to. But the idea that Elon Musk was just going to walk in and Twitter was going to be like business as usual yeah. uh, seems, you know, kind of naive. Yeah. So I don't know what his like master plan is here or if I mean, this is where like if you follow the news headlines, you know, you would think he's like bumbling through something and something he doesn't understand or this is part of some like weird master plan. I'm not really sure. But all I know is like for someone like me <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of people like me, it's not important enough mm-hmm worry about and that's the thing i think people forget about some of this like social media stuff and shit like like if you really make it this poisonous and you really make it this annoying and you start putting paywalls up and stuff i'm gone yeah i'm gone 30 seconds after you do it i don't even have to think about it and i think there's a lot of people like me Mm. there's a lot of social media platforms and there's a lot of places to go so i think like this idea that that Twitter is some like mainstay institution that can't go away for whatever reason is, is ridiculous. Yeah. This might, you know, this might be the the slippery slope of a name change or something drastic happening to it. Well, the crazy thing now, I don't know. I've, I've never run a business. I, I, I do this moderately successfully. And so I walk in and I, I I would imagine that you don't just fire everybody on the spot. And that's what he did. He walked into Twitter. He held a big all hands meeting where people were like, all right, what's the future of the company? And he was just like, you're fired. You're yeah, fired. You're yeah. fired. And I'm like, dude, you need people to run the thing. I know. Yeah. Apparently. And the only people he kept on were the people who are supposedly supposed to be monitoring content. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I couldn't understand, but I just imagine, yeah, like Ben Affleck in Boiler Room, like walking <laughs> into there, like, you're gone, you're gone. You know, oh, really man. nice way to bring up morale in the company, yeah. get people to believe in it, you know. But if I'm Elon, you don't try to make this a, like a profitable company. This is his opportunity. He can be like, hey, we're going to st- we're gonna take this off public. We're going to make this a complete private company. And then what you do to preserve democracy or, or free speech, however he wants to do it, you make it a nonprofit. You see how much the churches make being a nonprofit. Huh? You get people to donate what they want, kind of like wow. your Wikipedia. And the next thing you know, you're like maybe even more powerful than it is right now. Denny, that's savvy. Savvy. Nonprofit, I'm in, baby. I'm into that. All the elites do it. <laughs> Good. Including Good. Big Beef. Including, Good. Big, including beef. big Beef. Oh, man. Well, you wanted to talk about uh, going from elites to falling off big time. Uh, Miami-Dade County and the Miami Heat are ending their naming rights deal with uh, cryptocurrency firm FTX. I had to put this in because this is a wild story this week. Uh, FTX, a cryptocurrency exchange, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection on Friday after after the fall of crypto prices left them unable to cover withdrawals from the service. Um, The crazy thing about this, though, the naming rights deal... 19-year deal, $135 million. Um, wow. FTX up front had to pay $14 million and was scheduled to pay uh, $5.5 million in January. Wow. Um, now everybody's scrambling. Uh, you know Mickey Erickson uh, and everybody's going to sue like crazy. This is going to get really messy for not only the Miami Heat, the county, uh, but for these crypto guys as well. So um, was this after their splashy start to cryptocurrency, throwing money at everybody? This was kind of inevitable, right? 
I mean, this is like, it depended who you asked, I guess. Everyone invested in cryptocurrency said the people who said it was inevitable didn't get it. <laughs> and we're missing the boat, you know? So I guess it depended on who you asked. I like, I'll never put my money in something I just don't understand. Yeah. That's like a simple thing for me. Call me a peanut butter and jelly <laughs> kind of guy, you know? But like, if it takes 15 minutes for a bunch of grown people to try to explain something to me, I still walk away going, okay, I kind of get it. Yeah. Then I want nothing to do with it. And I, I think, I, I guess a story like this, Denny, you've known me for a little bit now. Yeah. It just, it just makes me kind of happy yeah. in some ways because the people losing on stuff like this to me, or at least losing the most are people who play the game. You know what I mean? It's like it's like a it's it's like a football player being like, "Why did I break my ankle? Why?" Well, it's because you play football, yeah. And someone tried to fucking break your leg because that's what they do, <laughs> you know. So, like when I hear about you know <laughs> hedge fund business guy jackoffs who lost their yeah. fucking shirt in some new venture where they got fucked over by some other you know suit guy jack, like yeah. I don't know. It's like watching two meathead jocks like fight in high school it's yeah. like it's kind of fun for me i i'm sure somebody like us is getting fucked in the process too yeah. you know the the people who were goaded into putting their money into this shit uh you know given all these apps and who was who was pawning for this company steph curry tom uh, brady tom brady what like, a time for him you know like like that's where i do think you know where the sec gets involved and stuff is like hey like some people just believe Tom Brady. Yeah. Some people are like, oh shit, Tom Brady's behind something. He has this many rings. He does everything perfect. Yeah. Like I'm getting behind this when Tom Brady didn't know the first thing about the fucking thing he was endorsing. He just got paid a boatload of money up front. So I guess that, you know, I came in a little hot here in a very inhuman way <laughs> saying I enjoy this, but by the end of talking this through, yeah, I do. I love it. Is there some culpability here for people for really like, pawning off like false shit to people who can't afford to lose their money you know like steph curry still got paid tom mm. brady still got paid these people who lost probably declared some kind of bankruptcy and are still going to be fine yeah. they're going to be in some other venture in like three years still on a boat somewhere yeah. you know and the people who got fucked are my fucking friends who have apps tracking fucking bitcoin and shit and they put their money into it you know so i started aloof and now you got me angry. I'm I'm kind of angry now. Well, I think that this will ease your mind a little bit. So Kim Kardashian was one of the first ones that the SEC was like, hey, you've got to right, pay right. like 3.5 to 5.5 million dollars somewhere in there uh, because you promoted this on your thing. But here's the thing that I love actually a little bit about this. Um, so Tom Brady is involved with this. Some may say that there could be a potential legal consequences for all of this for these people. Rough year for Tom. I just think, you know, from a company standpoint, Hertz has to stop endorsing athletes. Look at the last one. OJ Simpson. Oh, and now they got Tom Brady up in this you think legal they got some, cryptocurrency. Some, some, Madden, so, some Madden cover kind of shit. Going yeah, on. a little bit, a little bit. So Hertz, maybe stop endorsing this. But uh, yeah, no, these FTX guys, they were involved with the Golden State Warriors, uh, the Washington Wizards. Uh, and then, as we said, Tom Brady, Steph Curry, and Naomi Osaka. Um, they also had deals with Major League Baseball, 
surprise, surprise there, and Formula One. So a uh, whole lot of stuff there. Um, sad to see that this is uh, eventually like uh, Adam McKay is going to make like a big short like part right. two yeah. out of this yeah. of the guys who really got screwed over. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like this is where even somebody as, um, you know, I guess paranoid about these people as me. Mm. I even heard a fucking podcast with Mark Cuban. And Mark Cuban is just one of those random people that I deem, oh, he's a smart guy. Yeah. You know, for whatever fucking reason. I don't know. Good PR. And he's on there saying, listen, listen, listen. Crypto is, it's just the new internet. And there was people early on the internet who was losing their shirts and now they're fucking sailing their yachts down the blah, blah, blah. So you just got to like wait it out. I'm like, oh, Mark Cuban. All right, let me double down a little on some investment, you know? Yeah. Like, it, there is, like, some real, real, st- you know, real culpability here for what you decide to get behind. And, and I wish, like, uh, yeah, maybe this will maybe this will open people's eyes to, like, eh, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't get behind that. Yeah. Well, Benny, another switching gears to our next headline here. Speaking of getting behind stuff, uh, have you ever heard of Operation Hide the Beer? Operation Hide the Beer. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like a creepy religious thing, but tell me. <laughs> okay, borderline. That's how the New York Times <laughs> is describing the message that came from the highest level of the Qatari government ahead oh, of next I week's right. World Cup. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> with the World Cup opening uh, in one week, uh, the Qatari organizers have been working, scrambling, if you will, in recent days to relocate Budweiser-branded beer stations at eight stadiums after sudden demand came from the highest top of the Qatari government about trying to uh, yeah. get alcohol to the side here. Uh, the people spoke on the condition in anonymity because obviously it's a Qatari government. Uh, but World Cup officials uh, appeared to have had the entire deal in place. And then last minute, Qatar was like, let's hide the Budweiser. So, I mean, this is this is as this is uh, as clear as day of what these games are right now. But Benny, do you think we're going to see more of this over the next month? Probably. Yeah. You know, like this is where. uh capitalism meets uh, baseline creepy religious morality yeah. you know what i mean and like like where the old world meets the new you know what first popped into my head when this happened was like is this policy less for the tourists and more for the locals who have never had access and like Probably. are you literally dealing with like grown ass people who have never been drunk you know, and like all of a sudden you're getting like a, a bunch of freshmen in college because they don't know how to handle their shit and they've never had it before. And this is the first time there's access. And it's like, holy shit, like this is what this stuff does to you. Like, I don't know. That's kind of like maybe a creepy <laughs> obtuse look at the whole thing. But it's like so in the Patreon for going off track, we have mm-hmm. a member of the Patreon who is about to head out to to Qatar for the world cup and is going to be staying in those uh, cubes in that cube village. He sent us a link to it. It's just, just giant. Honestly, it looks to me like a massive sprawling festival backstage. Cause that's what they give you at festivals to hang out in all day Um, is those little boxes with a small air conditioning unit and then access to like outside toilets and stuff. And honestly, my first thought was like, yo, these things get out of fucking control by like the end of the night. You know what I mean? Like they're not 
comfortable places to be all day and all night. And like, I like the high, high, high probability for issues with power, sewer, you know, people, uh, like, like theft. I, I don't even know, but I'm like, like the dude's going into it with a very, like, I don't fucking know what's going to happen kind of mentality. I'm like, good for you. Hit the adventure. You're going to come back with some good old fashioned visceral experience. But I'm like, it sounds sketch as fuck, like what you're going into. And even the fact that there, it's a 40 minute commute from these boxes to the stadium where all the games are. And I'm like, what does that look like? Yeah. You know, and what's going on there? So, I mean, I've been listening to some stuff this week, you know, and I try to keep an open mind about the fact that, like, there is probably, like, a Eastern, Western thing going on with, like, the reporting of this in a lot of ways, where, like, we don't understand how these countries operate their culture. It's not ours. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it is a different way to live, and it's not necessarily... Right or wrong. Right or wrong. It's yeah. not ours. It's not theirs. And it's something totally foreign to us. So when you're seeing only, you know, Western media talking about this is a huge problem. This is a shit show. This is going to be this. Some of it has to do with the fact that we just don't like totally get it. And, and you know, maybe it's, it's different when you're there. So I, I would like to at least consider the idea that, that I'm being obtuse. But it does seem like a real shit show and from everything you hear about it getting getting built and the size of the country and being able to handle it, it you know i i hope it goes well because i don't want anyone to get hurt you know um but but it seems ripe for ripe for failure well the the beard thing i i, I kind of understand because part you know um i'm no master of world religions but I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh alcohol is like against like the islamic faith and and stuff like that so yeah. that part i i kind of get it you know if, if religion is that p- big a part of the government but it's it's all the other stuff it's the um uh the workers from india yeah. ghana and like a, another country that are just like yeah held there against their will and have made these stadiums these stadiums that they're going to tear down as soon as the whole whole thing is over and stuff like that so and then you have uh you know the head head of fifa coming in and saying you know when you go somewhere like you just like accept their culture and and have like respect for it but when that culture is kind of anti a lot of the things that your culture is for and you believe in as like a person it creates a very slippery slope that's right and that's and that's where like like I brought this up with like capitalism and morality, yeah. uh, you know, often are at odds, you know, <laughs> because of this exact thing, but you're right. And that, you know, that's one of the cultural divides is like, you know, most Americans will happily travel to Utah and drink, mm-hmm. you know, beer. That's only two point something percent and something like that. Just because this state, because of religious morality decided that these are our politics and this is what you can drink here and stuff like that. So it is like funny sometimes the things that you realize you allow your own country and yourself <laughs> to get yeah. comfortable with. And then you're just really opposed to when other people do it. Yeah. All right, Benny, do you want to switch gears here? Why not? All right. So we are trying to start a, a new segment here uh, called music video talk back. Uh, patent pending there. It's kind of a terrible name, but you know, it, it's a workshop <laughs> thing uh, where we watch some 
incredible music videos yeah. and we kind of talk about them give you <clears throat> the lowdown and because we talked world cup and world cup this week uh we're starting with uh and and this feels weird as as a grown man to say the music video for waka waka this one for africa by shakira okay <laughs> um and this one was directed by uh marcus Raboy. Uh, who previously did music videos for Ice Cube, Shania Twain, Backstreet Boys. Uh, he also did the uh, the Friday sequel, Friday After Next. He directed that. Good um, movie. And in the last 10 years, he's done a lot of the uh, stand-up specials, uh, including John Stewart's Kennedy Center Honors. Um, the whole thing was done in Los Angeles. So this was it based in, uh, the, for the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, um, but shot entirely in Los Angeles because, mm. you know, so... Uh, we're just gonna watch it and absolutely see what happens here. So, All right, let's go. Without any further ado, load me up. Oh, see, oh, Italy oh. 2006 World Cup, and you're That's already how you hearing start everything. Yeah, you got to bring in with the epic, the epic voice. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm hyped already, dude. Like, come on. So, how do you not like this? this. Oh, you got the kids dancing. Ronaldo, Messi, young. So this was the music video where Shakira met Gerard Piquet, who became her husband. How about Is that, that right? Yeah. Look at that smile she has. She seems happy. She seems happy. Oh. You know, is Shakira, is she like uh, Bill and Ted's? Like, she's the Excellent one. Excellent adventure. Who can, like, bring it, the world together, you know? Probably. She's Probably. almost like the new, like, Julio Iglesias. Like, huh. you the know? New Julio. Oh. OG oh. Ronaldo there. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I always love, like, th- since I've made music videos, I wonder, like, these guys, these drummers in the back, fuck, their day is probably so weird. They just probably had a bunch of Cheez-Its. Someone had to, like, one of them is farting too much. They've been there for, like, 12 hours. Oh, man, what a mess. The thing that I kept thinking while, like, prepping this is like we talk a lot about cultural appropriation this was in africa don't you think like shakira pie wasn't the right choice for this that is a good choice yeah it's like can we nail someone from the southern hemisphere please yeah right anyone from or at down least there? The like an australian something yeah that's true like that's pretty poor they didn't get an african artist like they've got like them dancing in the background with which very much is kind of the time. It's like, hey, we're gonna have this white passing person in yeah. front. Yeah, and is she, is that African traditional dance Shakira's doing? Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, look. Listen, if she's look. doing, this is where I don't know as a dancer. Maybe she's doing it well. You know, <laughs> maybe she's really paying homage. Yeah. I mean, she seems like she's doing a good job. Oh, young. Not my wheelhouse there. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yes, I mean like, okay, okay. So got, somebody got a else bit gets part. a verse. We got a bit part from a. Yeah, I hope this lady's African. Yeah, right. Could be <laughs> that guy from fake Indiana. Name. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Diego, R.I.P. Oh, look at it. Beautiful. The hand of God. I gotta oh. say, I I could use a little more highlight. Yeah, Pele. Yeah, right. But I am and, amped. Are you amped? Oh, dude, this Wait, is last chorus. This is something's got to break here. Messy. Okay. Oh, now we're getting to the kicking stuff. They save something for the last chorus, always, dude. Have to. I can't tell you how much I like saved up for this 2010 World Cup ball. Oh, oh, really getting oh. down. Wow, <laughs> this is such dangerous territory. I don't yeah. know if I should even be enjoying this, Denny. 
I mean, stop hopping. Am I racist for hopping right now? Shakira gets a gets. I don't know if if, if Shakira gets a pass, but um, I would love to get the insight of someone who's not me or you on this. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I don't think we can exactly comment on no. cultural appropriation. Not in this context. A and woman from end. South America appropriating African culture yeah. is well out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, the dancing seems problematic to me. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, and it it's so funny that that guy went from that the entertainment industry was like, oh, this exquisite work. Let, let's do all of the stand up for like the next decade plus here. Yeah. So, do you um, think this was the inspiration for uh? Uh, what's his name? Aldous Snow's version of uh, his his song about Africa. It's oh, Marshall. No comment. Oh, or get him to the Greek. Yeah, I think Wait. maybe that was the inspiration. For what year that. was get him to the Greek? That was pre twenty ten, right? Uh, let me quick quick Google. Let's see. Oh man, <laughs> who stole oh. from who here? Oh, uh, but featured two thousand ten. Oh, same year. Same year. Maybe they used the same studio. But uh. The music video, in case you didn't catch it, had appearances from Cristiano Ronaldo, Danny oh, Alves, yeah. who will be at the next World Cup at 39 years old, which is crazy. Gerard Piquet, as I said, um, Lionel and Rafa Marquez, uh, USMNT uh, adversary for many years, Rafa Marquez and former New York Red Bull. So, Well, I'm glad they found love. From, <laughs> and then from divorce. Um, a, 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 a massive divorce came a decade later between to, uh, those two. Wait, why massive? Because Gerard Piquet, you know, played for Barcelona and Shakira, pretty two pretty big stars. They uh, oh, during COVID did them in. So did they? Did they have a uh, couple name like a like a oh, Brangelina kind of thing? We would have to have a a a Barcelona correspondent, but uh, be an entertainment expert next yeah. time. But Danny, I gotta say, yeah, let's keep this going. That was fun. Yeah, and. We'll get back to the wheelhouse for this podcast, which is like rock and roll and everything. But there's so many great sports music oh. videos that we that we that we do basketball so basketball yes. next week. That's a funny video. <laughs> oh my god! Or the honor the late great Aaron Carter. That the how I beat Shaq video. That's a crazy one. That, All right, that's out of your wheelhouse. That'd but it's just one. like it's like 1999 Shaq. Let's bring him in, Danny. Yeah. Let's do them all. I love it. All, all right. right. So let's get to the next part, the sports program, you know, kind of transitioning out of uh, the place that's going to get us brown bagged into the part talking about the NBA. And we're not quite out of the weeds yet, but Benny, the relationship between the Brooklyn Nets guard Kyrie Irving, and yes, we're talking about him again, and Nike is likely severed for good. Uh, The Shoe Giants co-founder, Phil Knight, told CNBC, he said, I doubt that we could go back. Um, but I don't know for sure. Uh, Nike announced last Friday that it has suspended the relationship with Kyrie Irving and canceled plans to release his next signature shoe. Uh, that, you know, we've talked about what's been going on with Kyrie. Um, Nike, though, one of the few companies that has actually come up, made a stand about this whole thing. So does that give you any comfort that a big corporation like Nike is like, uh, screw the millions that we'd get from this shoe. We're cutting this deal. Or cutting this relationship. I don't know. I, honestly, when from the sponsorship standpoint, it was the same as uh, Nike doing a Kaepernick ad. You know, I feel like they get in a boardroom and they understand damage control and numbers and things like that to a level we don't. And they understand that this is the the business move, you know, like like this is 
And in this case, like Kyrie is, is under contract from the NBA. He works for the NBA. He works for the Nets. He brings something to that that is invaluable. You know what I mean? Yeah. As much as I can't stand this fucking guy right now, his skill on the court is still an invaluable asset. He's still in the top 30, 40, whatever of best basketball players in the world currently, which has value inside of the NBA. When you're dealing with outside sponsorships and stuff, I think they know now at this point over the last few years, they've already had to deal with what happened in Boston. They dealt with the vaccine. Now they deal with his last hurrah. And I think they're like, of course we can't release another. Like, what is he going to say next? I don't even think it's about now what he's already said and them taking some kind of stand. This is a business decision on the idea that you can't put money on this guy's back because he's going to harpoon it somehow because he always does. So I think like, you know, good for Nike. Kyrie's still a fucking incredibly rich man and he's going to be able to get money from somewhere else. So no, I, it doesn't give me all that much comfort to be honest with you. And yeah, you know what? I would not be surprised. Um, uh, apparently, you know, and I sent this to you the other day. Uh, Kyrie sat down with Josiah to try to amend the relationship or figure out the path forward here. And Josiah, a uh, Chinese billionaire, not really sure of his religious affiliation, yeah. was like, yeah, he doesn't seem anti-Semitic to me. Yeah, good. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, this, is like, this is like when... Uh, you know, Churchill met with, uh, you know, Hitler and was like, I think he's all right. Yeah. He might be a good guy. Now, that's one of the things that's the most infuriating about this in a way is like you hear these voices coming out, you know, LeBron, like the punishment's yeah. too tough. Adam Silver, not, you know, Kyrie, I don't think he's anti-Semitic. I'm vouching for him. Joe Sy, I'm vouching for. Why is everyone doing his bidding for him? You know what I mean? Like he could say it still. He's had every opportunity to. So that's where, like, I don't know exactly what's going on now. And a lot of this with the Nets where I see, like, oh, positive statement here, positive statement here, but he's not back with the team. And LeBron, I'm like, what are they setting up for right now? You know, like, are they just trying to, you know, build up his value a little bit so they can get him off the team? I I don't know exactly what's happening, but... I do know that I have to stomach the fact that Kyrie Irving is going to be playing fairly soon in in a Nets uniform or someone else's. And, you know, apparently I just got to eat that shit. I mean, I I don't think you so much have to eat it. I mean, like you could very much like make your voice heard. But I think that this is, you know, LeBron. And because when we were talking about LeBron's reaction to this, he's like, get him back on the court. I don't think. Listen. LeBron's statement, I don't think, was political about uh, religion in any way, shape, or form. This dude's like, man, I need more out here in Los Angeles. And if I need to, like, bend the knee to his, like, crazy beliefs to get, like, a guy who may or may not, you know, he, you know, even his stats this year have been a little dicey, at least from a shooting percentage perspective. Mm-hmm. So if LeBron's like, you know what, maybe I have to bend the knee to get some of that Cavs magic out here in Los Angeles, I'll do it, which is kind of sad to me. I, and ridiculous. I mean, like... You know, that's where I think the Nets, you know, have an even more interesting decision to make right now because, I mean, you saw it last night. You know, you play the Lakers certain nights. Everybody likes, oh, the team concept. They're playing hard. They're playing good defense. It's still Kevin Durant and no other even close to offensive 
you know, like <laughs> viable players in a lot of ways besides for three-point shooters. So, like, you know, that's where you do see last night. Like, it's nice when you sit around after four or five games without Kyrie going, like, you don't need the guy. Well, clearly the Nets need something else. But Kyrie Irving on this team is not winning a championship with them. He's also not winning a championship with the Lakers if yeah. he goes over there. Like, that team already can't play defense. And the Nets literally, like, we have this small sample size, but a sample size of them having the 28th-ranked defense in the league. And now in the five, six games that Kyrie's been gone, number one in defensive efficiency yeah. since he's been gone. Like, this isn't, you know, I, I know Jacques Vaughn got replaced. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Steve Nash got replaced with mm -hmm. Jacques Vaughn. And, like, you give him some credit for getting the guys to buy in a little more. And, you know, but the scheme is the same. I've been watching this team all year. It's not like Jacques Vaughn came in and instituted some new scheme. Same scheme. Same scheme <laughs> with just like marginally different players. Yeah. So it's pretty fucking obvious what's happening right now. So even from a basketball standpoint, the Nets have a very interesting decision to make. Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing about regardless of what their next coaching decision would have been, whether it would have been Ime or bringing in Jock Vaughn, it's like the It's like they're going to have the same schemes offensively and defensively because they're all kind of from the yeah, same tree. Part of the It'd same tree. Yeah. Wild that they went out and was like, "Hey, Mike D'Antoni, I know you're on the staff a few years ago. Come on back, and then, then let's try to like implement all these different things." Sure. But so yeah, that's and, and that's kind of the next thing that I, I wanted to bring up as we skirt away from the Kyrie Irving thing. Hopefully for the last time, but I absolutely doubt it. Um, <laughs> the the Jock Vaughn. Um, uh, permanent title as the head coach. They they gave him that this week. Uh, a lot of speculation over the email that email Doka was going to be the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, that to me, the the entire time that they're like, oh yeah, Ime Adoka, come on down. That kind of seemed like uh, uh, kind of disrespectful to everything that the NBA kind of uh, declares itself to be about with with women. Uh, I know it's only the Boston Celtics that. Uh, suspended him for the entire year. He was go. He was free to go wherever else he wanted. But how do you feel about the Nets kind of being like, okay, we're going to bring back our guy, even though he had uh, some trouble? I, I, you know, I think we talked about this a week or two ago, yeah. where it really felt like a panic move. Mm. You know, like what are we going to do in this moment? Like, obviously, this Ben Simmons thing isn't working out. You know what I mean? And even if he's going to be a semi-useful player. He's not going to be the kind of impactful player I think we we saw. I don't know. There's no inclination in any way that you're going to see it any other way. So for now, you got to bank on that. And it's almost like I think they looked at what they had here. They still look at Kevin Durant. And they're like, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? Besides for blowing it up because they're so heavily invested in the team that they have that I think they're really still trying not to blow it up. And, and the Ime Udoka thing was like, to me, felt like this last, you know, hell Mary to just be like, maybe this guy can fucking put it together. Maybe he can get the Ben Simmons. Maybe he could get Kyrie to buy into some defense or play every game or, you know. Um, so I think that was the logic. And then they just saw the, the public sentiment, which was like, for real? You know, and I think that was most people when they heard it was like, wait, 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 what? You just fired your coach. You got this guy probably fucking aged Jews. And then this, 
Like the guy, I mean, but I don't even know what happened in Boston. I don't know if I'm mad about it or not, because I don't know what the fuck happened. So I think that's where they came in. But this is, I mean, it's crunch time for the Nets, man. Like, what is going to happen in the next two weeks with the Nets? Like, this little honeymoon period they just have, I think, is over. They're getting back again to a hard part of their schedule where they're playing real teams. and. If you bring Kyrie back and they lose, if you don't bring Kyrie back and they lose, if they, you know, there's so many. But what what's the, the main focus of a basketball team, especially one as heavily invested as the Nets? I mean, this year has to be defense. Like, no, like the it's top teams. I'm saying it's to win a championship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way this this isn't a project season. This yeah. isn't, yeah. oh, we're developing these players to try to get somebody the next couple years, this and that. This is completely built in a win now model Mm. because of Kevin Durant and his age, Kyrie Irving and his age and the contracts and the lack of depth that you have going on, especially the lack of youth. So if you have a win now team with no chance to win now, what are we (laughs) waiting for, man? Right? Like, like, is there any world? Let me ask you this question. Yeah. Is there any world that you see the Nets this season with any number of like supplementary parts they could put together being better than one of Boston, Milwaukee, or Cleveland? No. No, and not even close, right? And not even close. So that's where I'm sitting back here as a fan thinking like, what are we waiting for? Tear it the fuck down. You know what I mean? Get everything you can. Danny Ainge that shit. Give Jacques Vaughn a, the, the Utah-type team for yeah. the assets you get from this stuff and try again. You luckily got some picks back in the, uh, in the, in the Harden deal. The, the, the Nets actually have a pick next year, and they have no pick the following year. Mm. So if this is the year to fucking tank and try to get into the lottery and do stuff, it's this year. Next year, they do not own their pick. So... Everything in every way as a fan leads to me saying, crash this thing from the top, get everything you can and start over. And part of that is not even just basketball. It's what you talked about. You can't even hire a coach because of how awful things feel. There is no culture to be found. There is no chemistry to be found. There's no identity to be found on this team. So what are we doing here? You know, what are we doing? And I'm trying to think of teams that they could like make deals with at this point. But, you know, every team that I like run through, they'd rather hold on to their pieces for, for the future. If you look at your Orlando's, your Houston's, your even a team like Portland, who's gotten off to a great start and has some pieces. I mean, but I don't know about that. And that's because I've been watching Kevin Durant play the last two weeks. Yeah. At an extremely high level. Yeah. You know, this is obviously still Kevin Durant in most capacities. So I can't, for the life of me, think there haven't been other GMs sitting around the league going, hmm, you know? And honestly, this Warriors thing, yeah, this kind of makes perfect sense right now, doesn't it? Like, Steph, oh, is, a, hmm. Steph is a fucking boss right now. Yeah. He is fucking carrying that team by himself. Yeah. They clearly have these huge bench problems with not enough pieces. They could even get a couple pieces back with Durant 
if they're willing to give up enough kids and picks to the Nets. I mean, what if you not only got Durant, but you maybe got Curry? Oh, yeah. No, you know what I mean? Fun. You yeah. toss him in there if you throw in an extra pick. Like, you know, like, what if you got a Joe Harris? What, Like, what if one of these guys was on the Warriors? It'd be fucking great. So, so then like, what do you get back then in this in this hypothetical? Like, are you getting like... You're getting Kaminga. Okay. You're getting Wiseman. Okay. One of Moody. You know, like you're getting yeah. two of those three guys for sure. Mm-hmm. Moody, Wiseman, Kaminga. Out of that group, you're getting two or three of them. And then you're getting the fucking... You're getting the house. Same thing yeah. that Utah got. You're getting every conceivable pick for the next fucking six seasons or something like that. Why doesn't this happen? And then all of a sudden you have Curry, Durant, you got all this going on again. It's perfect. They even, you know, the first time the trade speculation came up, the Warriors were one of the teams that that was actually considering it. Curry went out of his way to say, sure, I'll take Kevin Durant back. Why not? So I don't know. I, the only thing that I, the reason why I'm like, I don't think that would happen I mean, you got to look at KD's age and Bob Myers is always like the, oh, we're going to be like six steps ahead of, of the rest of the league. They're trying to build the future. Yeah, Though, but hasn't but, that failed? Kind of? I mean, the, they the won early a championship, sample of this dude. season, you know? Right. I mean, like, I think if if they're looking at it in the macro, macro, right? And you look at like the beginning part of the season, they're still the, the defending champs. I think it's like way too early to give up on these kids even if the early returns this season haven't been that promising. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's not like Katie's like ancient, you know, he's 34 years, five years left. He's 34 and he just turned 34 in September. And literally, I mean, dude, he's shooting 52% from the floor this year. You know, he's averaging, uh, over five assists, almost two blocks, like he's engaged in a different way. Um, you know, he he's basically racking like Kevin Durant is an automatic 30 fucking points. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you're doing, even his ugliest games. He's getting something close to that always. And it's like, that's where this, this diminished value of Kevin Durant, I don't believe. And if you did believe that the Nets probably would have taken one of those half hearted deals that was coming in the last couple months. So I don't know, man. I think in the last few weeks, Durant's really maximized his value. Yeah. And I think uh, I think the Nets need to pull the trigger bad. And just as a fan, yeah. I want them to. <laughs> like, really bad. Yeah. Because, you know, the last time I got to guilt-free root for this team, uh, it was Kenny Atkinson, yeah. Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, mm. Joe Harris off the scrap heap. You know, like, like this was my team. That was the last time I was really fucking oh. ramped up and then behind <laughs> this group, you know? So I want something like that again. Yeah. All right. Last headline here today, Benny, and a guy that I've been like really ramped up about watching him play this season, Paolo Boncaro, the Ben Stradamus strikes again. This was your guy on draft night uh, coming through. He continues to dazzle. Um, he is as a, uh, you know, he's been the only teenager to post 33 points and 15 rebounds in a game uh, that happened in Orlando's loss last week to the Sacramento Kings. But more importantly than that, Bancaro has also scored at least 15 points in each of his first 11 games to start a season. Uh, the last player to do this to start his NBA career, the one and only Michael Jordan in 1984, Ooh. 1985. So, um, 
awesome to watch. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure in the preseason games how this was going to work with Paolo, but he has figured it out. John Hammond has a special deal going on down there. Um, so if, if we're doing career outlook on Paolo Banquero, um, is this a, hey, first few years in the league are great, or is this something that's truly bankable for the future? No, no. I mean, this is 100% bankable for the yeah. future. I mean, the one thing I think that didn't translate in college, or maybe even he's jumped up a little bit, he, he's a big motherfucker. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he is bodying people around already. And fuck, you usually don't see these people come into their full adult NBA bodies till 23 to 26 years old, usually. You know what I mean? Where like, where you're like, oh shit, this guy got massive. Yeah. After five years of, you know, private chefs and the <laughs> finest blah, blah, blahs and all the land. So that's where like right off the bat, I mean, you can't teach or take away physical dominance. And he is often uh, faster, craftier and bigger than a lot of people defending him. And that's right off the bat as a kid. So you can't take any of that away. And then from the skill set side of it, He's got a fucking bag of tricks on offense. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got mid range. He's, you know, maybe I'm sure they're going to hope he starts, you know, being a little more consistent from the three point line or going out there a little bit more just on the, you know, concept of the NBA. But he's got a full range of tricks inside already. He's got drop steps. He's got turnarounds. He's got a little mid range game. Um, so, no, I think the sky's the limit for Paolo. Um, and the way this team is constructed, it's not really going to translate to winning yet. But listen, fuck, if they can't be in the best situation right now, because I think you have what is showing itself to be at least the potential of an all-star level or higher player sitting there as a rookie within the first fucking month. Then you got Franz Wagner, who looks like a proper rotational piece of a team. Carter, proper rotational piece of a team. And you might very well get Victor. You know what I mean? And this mm. is looking more and more like the real deal. Like, like they don't even have to brick for Vic yeah. because the team is thin enough that they're, it's going to happen anyway. And then a kid, uh, Palo's age, even though he's going to put up numbers, it's often not going to translate to a lot of winning and almost, you probably don't want to fucking kill the kid yet either. So mm. maybe give him a night off from time to time or, or, you know, limit some minutes and try to get some value out of that Mo Bama contract, which is kind of a, a big yeah. fuck up actually. So I think Orlando's in a great position now. And, and no, I'm a, I wish I, can I get a little hat or something from Ben Stradamus? <laughs> like every time I call this, cause this one was so obvious to yeah. me. I was literally watching clips of, of, uh, Smith, uh, you know, versus Palo, you know, this, this, mm -hmm. uh, and Holmgren, you know, as well. And I'm like, one of these guys is a sure fucking thing mm. and two of them are not. <laughs> and like even upside this upside, this I'm taking that guy who I know can just fucking flat out ball right now. And that's why he was the number one pick. I'm sure I'll nail that again in the future. Come on, Danny, I'm killing it these days. Oh, killing it. But then let's, let's, let's see LaMelo get to the MVP status that you predicted. Then, then I'll print up the hats, but until then I'm holding my ground on it. Oh, Charlotte. Oh, Charlotte. <laughs> it's rough. That one's rough. You um, might be seeing Terry Rozier on the Lakers soon <laughs> instead of uh, Kyrie actually. 
All right, plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tuna podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the social platforms um, at the tuneup HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're having so much fun. Uh, if you want to watch these music video talkbacks that we're doing, they're going to be on YouTube. Not sure how that translates to the audio audience, but it is right there. Uh, if you want to follow the big man, he is on Instagram at Benny Horowitz. And also, if you want to see his takes, I post them on the TikTok, and we just get we just get flamed on TikTok. That's just what happens. With oh, us. do we get killed on that? Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you. Oh, God. What <laughs> are you I'll, doing I'll... to me in social media? <laughs> It's I'm going to like wind up in a place. Some kid's <laughs> going to be like, what the fuck do you say? I'm like, I don't know. What did I say? <laughs> what did I say? I have no clue. Oh, I'm at Denny Gallagher on Instagram. Uh, Benny, anything else? Yeah, Mazel tov. <laughs> uh, the show has ended. Go in peace. You have been listening to and watching The Tune-Up. <laughs> <laughs>